0: This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday,
1: November 2nd, 2019.
0: The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...more
2: essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Reed. ...in the dollar... is ...it's
0: a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. This is Money Talk.
0: Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and KC Smith. And uh, fall is in the air, finally, That's right.
3: guys. It's about to be yeah. about to be in the about winter's about to be in the <laughs> We skipped right over fall. Uh, yeah. Maybe we did. I and don't by know. By the time
2: this thing airs it's uh what, probably twenty, thirty degrees outside. Yeah. Well how long I is mean, this cold know. front gonna hang around?
0: Yeah. Well let's hope. For a while. I you know, it's real easy when you're this close to it, you know. Just a couple of months ago we were in the nineties. I took a trip in early September over uh, the week of uh Labor Day and uh it was 37 degrees up there. I got back to my house at 95 degrees. Wow. I, well, you were
3: almost at the North Pole, I think, weren't you? Well,
0: I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'd rather be at the North Pole when it's 95 degrees at my house.
2: Yeah, summer hung around for quite a while this year.
0: Yeah, it's well.
2: Cooler weather is nice.
0: I'll uh, I'll take it. That's all I'm saying. I, I can always put on a jacket if it gets too cold. Build a fire, do something. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, how do you get away from the heat in the middle of summer in Georgia? And I've lived here all my life. Well, most of my life. I did live in North Dakota for a while, so you know. Yeah. So you're jaded. Yeah, but only you know, <laughs> this was not my formative years. I I remember living in Georgia when uh, none of the kids wore shoes, and we walked mm-hmm. around in the parking lot barefoot. And walked
3: uphill to school both ways? No,
0: no, no. Both both ways. Ways. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. It wasn't like that. Anyway. All right, so uh Jarrett and Casey both you guys are uh financial planners in the uh the the true sense of the word. You guys make financial plans for clients, but you also help implement them. You're in the uh planning and implementation departments, not that I need to tell you, uh that's right of uh Hensler Financial and um hopefully we'll get around to answering some financial questions in a little bit. But uh before we get too deep into it, let's talk a little about what's going on with the market. We're up one percent over the past week uh had a, a big event in the middle of it something that we actually all expected uh <clears throat> we got a interest rate cut so uh the uh, the fed moved our interest rate the overnight lending rate uh for the banks uh cut 25 more basis points off of it 0.25% uh what's our target now 150 to 175 uh, yep prior it was 175 to 2% um, so, uh, what happens? I mean, we see markets move up slightly, but again, it was expected. So
3: yeah, all usually, that was baked in. It would have been more uh, of a shock to the market if they didn't do anything, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And we'd have probably seen a pretty significant sell-off, but oh, we did yeah. Um
3: here's the thing Troy though you you've seen I mean GDP growth was reported wasn't it so Yeah um, It was a little better than expected Better than expected 1.9% yeah, I think they were expecting we, 1.6 That's correct And uh so how do you reconcile GDP growing more than expected and still cutting interest rates
0: I don't know uh, throw in throw in the other piece the S&P 500 is near it's all time high Right I mean these things are all uh they don't seem to fit together, but, you know, the Fed is watching. They they do kind of what I like to tell people I do. Uh, we're forward-looking. We look out and see what we think is coming. So uh, what winds up happening is these guys uh, use inflation as, as one of the indicators of growth. Uh, when you see inflation muted, it's generally a sign that we don't have too much growth. Um, so what the Fed did do this time, though, is start using language that... Uh, would lead the market to believe that this could be the last cut for a while. I looked uh, shortly after the rate cut on the very day that it happened, um, which was Wednesday, and um, I uh, I noticed that we don't get over 50% probability of a rate cut again until June of next year. Okay. So uh, it does look like the market has taken, taken heed of, of their warnings and even then it was like 52 53 percent probability of another rate cut before june or by june so uh you know maybe maybe we've seen the last of that for a while
3: um well what's that doing to the yield curve i mean we talked a little bit earlier this week about the yield curve is starting to normalize a bit. it
0: is really uh so i've talked for months now about the fact that the yield curve looked like a nike swoosh meaning that uh everything from about one month out to uh, one year on the Treasury curve was higher than the two-, three-, five-, and seven-year yields on the Treasury. So you had a high point. It fell hard, you know, down to the two-year, and then it came back up. And by the 10-year, you know, we had uh, the – the. um even the one month was, or the one year rather, was a little bit higher than the ten year, but uh, even that has normalized. So the the short end of the yield curve, meaning everything in maturities from basically a day to to uh, a year, has fallen now, and the yield curve is upward sloping as we would normally expect it to look.
3: That's well, got to be good news, right? Because the inverted well, yield curve uh, means recession's coming, right?
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, it always it, (laughs) (laughs) it always actually corrects itself before you see uh that recession so you know it doesn't erase the fact that we did have even the classical you know inversion in the yield curve a few months ago um even though it lasted just for a few days uh i believe that uh that that's what the fed is fearing and that's you know, truly to answer your question is the Fed knows that expectations are high, that we could see a recession coming soon. And I think, you know, there there's folks out there that put probabilities on that. Um,
3: You showed me a chart a few days ago that showed the yield curve in uh, 07, I guess. And and the last time we had the inversion was right around that time. Yeah,
0: 06, like
3: mid-06. Okay, mid-06. And then it kind of corrected itself by around May of 07. That's correct. And then we had the top of the market October 2007? Yeah, October
0: 9th of 07 was the previous market top before our previous recession, the Great Recession we've come to call it, or the financial crisis of, 07 and 08 and
3: 09. So there's about 5 months between the yield curve normalizing again and the top of the market.
0: That was the experience historically. In, yeah, that's that's what we saw last time. Doesn't mean that we'll repeat that precisely. Um but I I wouldn't be surprised if the market did continue to rise uh for a little while, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we did start seeing, you know, things deteriorate a little bit now uh you know it just anecdotally i know some of the companies locally um have started talking about construction slowing down a bit mm-hmm. um and uh and what truly is holding things together and, and uh, we did get a little bit of news on this this week is uh it seems like um the consumer is is the big plus now uh, coming up through the last few years employment situation was the was the piece that seemed to hold everything together uh and and that seems to continue now uh you know we we uh are looking at numbers um i know the expectation for friday's employment situation was eighty five thousand jobs added. You gotta have one hundred and twenty seven thousand jobs added in order to keep up with population growth. Right. Um and and at uh you know previous in previous months we've seen it best that one twenty seven but it has started slowing. We uh uh the only thing that changed to the positive was uh the unemployment rate in in previous times where it was at three point seven for a long time then it popped to three point five so even tighter labor market Um, we got uh, news on um, personal income uh, this week that shows uh, U.S. income growth remained relatively steady nominal personal income rose 0.3 percent in September uh, just a little bit lighter than the August 0.5 percent growth Um, I think you annualize that and you come out somewhere around 3 percent or so uh, which is faster uh personal income growth than inflation yeah so people feel feel uh relatively wealthier if you will you know they've got prices not rising as fast as their income but the and only consumer reason
3: sentiment is continuing to rise i mean it's at the highest level since july rising from 95 to 95.5 from 93.2 right. uh, in september so right. that's good news at least from a consumer standpoint and the fact that our economy is largely consumer-driven, you would think that would kind absolutely of help. big driver for
2: this continued growth, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It is,
2: yeah, I mean, here's the thing:
0: we'll we'll never see. In fact, I, I'm amazed to see uh, unemployment as low as it is right now. Um, but uh, you know, you're never going to see it go to zero. So it uh, you know the the three middle 3% uh seems really low to me um and one of the things that we watch is uh uh jobless claims continuing claims we got a number that's a weekly thing um you know we did see a little bit of an increase over the past week but it still remains very uh very low relative to historical numbers so as long as the consumer stays together and um wages rise faster than inflation, you're, I think you're going to see, you know, continued growth in, uh, in the, the markets as we know it. So uh, anyway, let's uh, take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about a dog of the week. Thanks for listening to Money Talks.
1: Did you know that nearly 11% of residents and 12% of children in Cobb County live below the poverty line? That's thousands of families doing without, which is especially sad during the holidays. The Center for Family Resources has been bringing the community together to collect food items for low-income families in Cobb County for over 30 years. Through our Thanks for Giving program, we provide holiday food boxes during the Thanksgiving break filled with ingredients for families to cook their own traditional holiday meal. Plus, since Thanksgiving week can put an extra strain on a family's food budget while children are home from school, we provide extras like breakfast foods, pasta, and peanut butter for those added meals. How can you help? Go to the CFR.org to volunteer, raise money, or start a drive through your business, church, neighborhood, or civic organization or school. That's the CFR.org. And thanks for giving. You ain't
4: nothing but a
1: hound
3: dog. This is, this is the dog. The dog, of
0: the, week.
1: the dog of the week.
4: Dog of the week this week
0: music really does seem to fit around the halloween time it's uh oh yeah
2: uh quite
0: fitting have hounds howling in the backyard
2: and <laughs> jared It's tis tis the season
0: jared i gotta ask you a question let's do the dog of the week first and okay. i'll ask the question all right i'm ready don't don't let me forget it i have to make right. sure i come back to I, it I would never. all right there's a uh a strange story and i always talk about this you know weird business models that folks do and uh, you know, I guess it doesn't get much stranger than when the winter is, is long. There's a uh, a um, bar in Dawson City, Yukon, that uh, offers a, uh, a cocktail called the Sour Toe Cocktail.
2: Does not sound appealing at all. Yeah, no, it's going to be I less
0: the Sour Toe Cocktail. Okay. So they make a drink, just making sure we're clear. <laughs> yeah, they make a, uh, they make a drink, and they put uh, an amputated toe in it, and then you drink the cocktail. What is this
3: the Big
2: Lebowski? So you can
0: join the <laughs> Sour Toe Cocktail Club.
2: I mean, who comes up with that and thinks I can sell this?
0: Uh, Somebody's. I, I gonna... couldn't tell you. I don't know. They couldn't sell it to me. Number uh, no one, kidding. I mean, You know, I don't drink, but. Even if I did, I'm not drinking something with somebody's toe in it.
3: Is it a real severed toe?
0: It is a real severed toe, and I'm glad you asked because that's what brought this up. There's a gentleman named Nick Griffiths who was in a 300-mile super marathon in the Yukon in the last few months, I guess. It's been a little while ago. Uh, In running the race, uh, he wound up with... uh, gangrene in three of his toes had to have them amputated while he was in the hospital. A nurse told him of uh, the drink that is served in the uh, downtown hotel in Dawson City, Yukon, that has this sour toe cocktail. And being the charitable guy that he was, he decided he would go ahead and Donate his three amputated toes to the downtown hotel, and in order to make it even better, he decided he would go and enjoy one of their cocktails. Now there's a there's a law. They do this crazy stuff out in Paulding County, Jared.
2: (laughs) Thankfully, no. Yeah, all right. Never heard of such a thing.
0: In order to be officially one of the members of the Sour Toe Cocktail Club. The toe has to touch your lips.
3: Nope. I, thought, I thought it was going to be like drinking tequila where you got to eat the worm. Uh, the
1: no, worm no, body, you no. don't
0: have to eat it. In fact, there's a $2,500 fine if you accidentally swallow a toe. Well,
3: this just keeps getting worse. <laughs> I <mean.
0: laughs> well, I mean... You gotta have a fine, right?
3: This is this is a very appropriate dog of the week for Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
0: that was the spookiest drink
3: I've ever heard of.
0: Bizarre. Anyway, there there you have it, folks. Twenty five hundred dollar fine if you drink the toe in your I mean eat the toe in your cocktail. The reason that the man gave his toe is because they've been having a shortage at the downtown hotel. Because people have been accidentally swallowing the toe.
2: That's that's Fake news.
0: It's not. Bad. <laughs> All right. So maybe it is fake news. I don't. Know.
2: That I cannot wasn't possibly there. be. I didn't see it maybe, myself. But well, even
0: if I did, I might not have believed it. it sounds like Jarrett's one of those doubters. I but,
2: mean, uh, unless they're getting some kind of a charitable deduction or something, they got to be getting yeah, something out of it. Charitable this. deduction. what
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, here I we go. Know. We always have these kind of talks. How much do you get to write off on your taxes if you donate your severed toes? Yeah,
2: if you're if you're donating body parts, that should be 100 percent of AGI. No, I think no. it's uh, totally deductible. <laughs> See what you did there. I can't talk. Yeah, that.
0: I, <laughs> I got to stop now.
2: <laughs> oh, that was good stuff.
0: All right. So what was I going to ask you while ago? You,
2: you said a question. I don't know. Yeah, I'm on, I'm all ears problem. though. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't
3: yeah. have anything to do with him being the be great pumpkin, does it? Yeah.
0: No. No, I, well, I mean that was that was part of it. I I wondered actually, you know, if your children dressed you today. I know it's uh, mm-hmm. like I said it's looking like fall and part of that was
2: Oh, they did cuz they were wearing their stuff to school and they would not let me dress without getting something Halloween on. So yeah, I went with the orange shirt, but the orange no, shirt. no costumes here. That's KC's yeah. department. He comes with the uh the good stuff. And I'm yeah.
3: dressed like Troy. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Son, son's <laughs> mustache.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: If only you had a mustache, <laughs> you, would, you would be just like I me—the mean, old, the check shirt. There you some go. Some jeans.
3: I don't think we Pretty should good. leave this segment though until we really quickly touch on uh, the the sub dog of the week—the old mattress Mac from uh, Houston who yeah, put uh, the big almost World twelve Series million better. dollars on the Astros to win the World Series. That's incredible. Now, actually, just reading this article while we're sitting here talking, but the. He actually did it to hedge his bets because the the what was going to happen is if the Astros had won the World Series, then he was going to refund everybody's mattress purchase up to three thousand dollars. So it probably would have cost everybody's
0: him. Everybody's like for months. Like for I don't know
3: how long it goes back, but I don't know if it's this year or something. But anyway, he thinks that he probably made off better in the deal by losing the twelve million dollar bet. It was a hedge. He says he was right. almost perfectly hedged. Must be um, selling a lot of mattresses, I guess so well, I mean wow you know. he
0: well, says it would have been man. twenty
3: million dollars in liabilities if the Astros had won
0: so. and and this brings up a great question: Is he really a dog of the week? Maybe I mean not. this guy you know <laughs> he hedged. Well, that's what I'm saying he lost he didn't hedge well, maybe, but he I was mean, he was hedged he? against a potential loss yeah. i you know. Ultimately, he winds up with a loss from the hedge, and that's really not what you want to do. No. But, hey, hedging in this case could be very much like insurance, right? Exactly. And that's precisely what he did. was just
2: about to say. Well, <laughs> why didn't you look into the insurance policy? Maybe you could have. I mean, we hedge when we have golf tournaments that you we know, have clients, too, and there's you know prizes for hole-in-ones. Yeah, but it's, insurance.
3: it's, it's a it's but Carriers a marketing, are running right insurance for anything. It's all marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him if the Astros win the World Series, you well, well, get your yeah. money back. No, he Honestly, did get some really good exposure. What's, it, what's
0: the likelihood of a little radio show like ours in Kennesaw, Georgia, talking about a guy from Houston and his mattress? Exactly. Did he do something crazy, right. or did he just no, get? He's, he's a genius. Hey, y'all, look up Mattress Mac when you get into the Dog Houston. of the
2: week, man of the week. <laughs> That's what it is. That is.
0: All right, Uh, we got some serious stuff to talk about here, so why don't we get at it? And uh, not that hedging is not a serious thing; corporations do it all the time. And if you have certain inputs, like a mattress, into your business, and uh, you can uh, you can hedge um, against potential loss, and you know sometimes it's a smart thing. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Jerome and Melinda, who are uh, preparing (laughs) repairing. They're preparing to retire in three years and they've spent the last few years working with their advisor that's a smart thing on moving assets to fixed investments uh making sure retirement accounts are consolidated and of course getting enrolled in medicare so um their situation is jerome will be receiving receiving a man i can't even read today that's some tongue twisters will be this receiving thing. a substantial severance package from his company which includes a buyout of his ownership interest uh, Jerome and Melinda want to take the severance package and pay off their mortgage on their home so they uh, enter retirement without mortgage debt. And that's pretty common too. Very. Although maybe not the smartest thing always. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, their advisor recommended refinancing their existing mortgage instead, lowering the monthly payment, and freeing up their windfall for investment, emergencies, or living expenses. So, Guys, sounds like a situation that uh, you might run into from time to time being a financial advisor. Uh what's your take on it?
2: Yeah, it's an extremely common scenario, especially given that the people that would find themselves in the situation or a similar one probably came up during the early 80s when interest rates were 15, 20% and this wasn't even a consideration. You know, this has only come about recently because of as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the continued decline in interest rates and right. the the math is becoming incredibly uh sensible for this because if if it's becoming so cheap to borrow money and you know a lot of what you would be paying in interest can be covered even by a, a simple dividend on some of the safest companies around if you can also get back your liquidity that in retirement you're going to need more than anything just about you know that that paycheck is stopped and liquidity is becoming paramount again, well, if you can get that liquidity for such a cheap price that you can then offset in large part by you know, just the yield on, on other investments uh, and the income that's being generated by it, all of a sudden it becomes a very sensible conversation to have with your advisor and just a financial planning conversation. You sure. know, do Do I want access to my money, and do I want to... Pay a small interest rate that can be offset by again the income from your portfolio for the most part uh, again not always it's not always been a conversation we can have, but uh, we certainly can now that interest rates have declined to the extent that they that they have and so this situation in particular which we can dive into some details about and kind of walk through this math to show you all how, how this works out, uh, is something that I think is worth considering. It's not for everyone. Some people should do it. Some people don't need to do it. Uh, but when we come back, uh, we can dive into that some more and, and talk through. There's
3: a lot of value in that liquidity. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: No doubt. All right, well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll let Jared answer the question. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talk.
1: For all your financial needs, this is Money Talks.
0: All right, we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Casey Smith. And uh, we are here to answer your financial questions, so we'd love to hear from you. If uh, you have a question, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Uh, the way it works, you'll get a recording. You uh, listen to that and leave your question uh, recorded on our machine. We play it on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you prefer to talk to a human being, you can do that as well. You can call 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, who is our producer. and. Uh, you can uh, you can tell her what you'd like to have answered, she'll get it to us and uh, we'll answer on the air as well, or you can email us drgene@hensler.com spelled d r g e n e at h e n s s l e r.com and if you don't want to talk to us at all, well, you know, we won't be too offended, but you can go to your website, to our website uh, which is hensler.com and uh, find all kind of information again that's spelled h-e-n-s-s-l-e-r.com usually if they're broad topics we've written something about them we'll have uh, lots of information that you can choose from on our website so uh, guys um, when we left off last segment we were talking about a situation where a couple's about to retire they've got uh, they've got a mortgage, and they think they want to pay it off. And Jarrett, you were going to tell us why that may or may not be the smartest thing to do.
2: Yeah, well, the math is is really easy, and I think straightforward enough to answer that question pretty pretty quickly. You know, because of the fact that the interest rates are so low, it's a very low hurdle that you have to offset with your other investments and and things that would help you to justify paying an interest rate uh, for that money. But you know, the interesting thing to me is that. Because of the conventional wisdom of, you know, paying down debt and and going into retirement with your mortgage paid off, which are great goals, I I always tell people it's never a bad idea to pay down debt and, uh, you know, if that's something that you can do and it's not going to be of detriment to you, uh, then by all means, pay it off because, you know, behaviorally that is going to make you feel good and, and it's a good idea to do. But if you think, too, that you have people that a lot of folks, in fact, Are planning to use equity in their homes for, say, sending their kids to college or uh, other things that they might need for spending purposes, right? But then nobody thinks about doing that for retirement, which is the time in your life when you don't have a paycheck anymore. You spend all these years and decades even in this accumulation phase where you're used to getting a paycheck, you're saving to your investment and retirement accounts, you're watching that grow. All of a sudden, retirement comes along you're in this distribution phase now where not only does the paycheck stop, but you're starting to pull from the account, the same one, in fact, that you have been watching grow all this time and, and start starting to watch it reduce. And the mindset becomes very different, I find, with a lot of clients once they've actually gone through that transition, because up until that point, they're always still in this mode of, I need to pay the house off, I don't want that, and again, not a bad goal, but... What good is not having a mortgage payment if you don't also have the money that you need to live off of to pay the tax on that property, the insurance, the light bill? I mean, all these things. You can't spend your house. Exactly. So when we're in a time like we're in and interest rates are so low and you've got such a low hurdle rate as a result, why would you not take advantage of that instead of waiting until you find that, oh, man, maybe – we do run a pretty good chance of outliving this money, and we need to refinance the house or sell it to get the money out. And then either the the housing market is in a bad state or right. interest rates are much higher, which they very likely will be considering that they're at historic lows and, I mean, frankly, can't go much further. Yeah. Uh, this is a conversation that not only has their... It, it, it's not always been a
3: conversation, but probably will not always be one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the, well, the times we're in. And let me bring up another thing, Jarrett, because that's a very good point. And, uh, you know, a lot of people do have this mindset that they want to be debt-free in retirement, and for good reason, because your income is going to go away, so you're not going to have the income stream to make those payments, right? So I understand where people are coming from. Um, but think about it this way, and especially the way that we invest with the 10-year rule, Uh, I would make the argument that you're almost safer to have a mortgage when you're retired than when you're working. Yeah. And the reason is because during during your working years, you're making that payment with income from a job, presumably. Well, how safe and secure is that job? Yeah. You don't know from year to year, whereas – with the 10-year rule, if you're setting aside 10 years' worth of those payments in fixed income investments that's not going to fluctuate with the market and you're having bonds that mature when you need the money, mm-hmm. then you can, you're can. you pretty much assured that you're going to have at least 10 years' worth of payments set aside. Sure. And every year that there's uh, the market's in a good position to sell and, and refill that fixed income bucket, then you're going to have continual 10 years' worth of money in that fixed income bucket. Sure. So, uh, you've got the money set aside to make the payments, so therefore it's almost you know mm-hmm. as safe as if, if you're spending it from income. You're making those payments with income. In this case, you're making payments out of your assets that are set aside, and you know they're going to be there when you need to spend them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jared, just mm-hmm. to to kind of follow on, making a couple of points myself, sure. uh, uh, one thing we usually talk about in our first segment is where interest rates are, and we didn't really touch on that other than you know talking a little about uh, the, the – uh, treasury uh yield curve normalizing and and it is doing that but if you look at the thirty year mortgage mortgage on average across the united states this week uh three point nine eight percent that's very low uh you you seldom see it get much lower than that um and and uh you know to your point uh it, people you know when we when we just use um our our own base thinking without thinking deep enough, mm-hmm. uh, it is common for us to try to pay for college, yeah. which you can borrow for college, where you can't borrow for retirement. Right, um, but you could almost use the argument that if you borrow for college and let the kids help, you know, pay that off, mm-hmm. and if you left the mortgage on your house, you really are borrowing for your retirement if you if you want to make a bit of a stretch. But, sure. you know, in this case, uh, your house might be the only way that you could actually borrow for retirement. And, and if you're doing it at such a low interest rate, uh, you know, you go back to 1925, and we've done studies on this mm-hmm. uh, at Hensler Financial quite a bit, um, when you look at the details, the S&P 500, while it's volatile, and we want to get you out of it uh, with any money you might need in the next 10 years, uh, its return on average is about ten and a half percent. So if you measure that versus the five, four percent, rather, you're going to be paying on uh, on a mortgage. Uh, you yeah. know, why wouldn't you rather invest the money?
3: Yeah. Well, think about a thirty year loan, I mean, that means that if you've got ten years set aside to make payments, that's in fixed income, maybe earning, you know, pretty low interest rates, two, three percent. But then 20 years worth of money can be invested in that equity market that's going to earn on average 10% a year. Right. Um, so, well,
2: and the most compelling point to all this for me, which I've had a conversation with a number of clients about, that is even if you are over age 70 and a half and already taking required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. Let's say you're not yet there because you are facing retirement in the next year, and you're, let's say, 62 to 65, You know, still years out from being being forced uh, with that requirement. Now, the vast majority of people, baby boomers specifically, that would be looking at retirement right now have, I find, saved to one type of account all their life, probably yeah. 401K, because they, they very commonly have stayed with one company. And guess what? All they have is tax-deferred money. So you're going into retirement – Pulling more from a retirement account in which you're going to be taxed at ordinary income rates when you don't have to because you've paid your house off mm-hmm. and you have all this after tax money that you could live off of and also give you a tax benefit yeah. before you're being forced to pull from that money. So immediately if you were to do this and you otherwise only have after or excuse me tax deferred assets, then you're immediately better off because you're going to lower your tax liability right. and allow those assets in the tax deferred accounts. To continue growing in that manner for years to come, which is the whole reason you put money in the tax deferred account in the first place.
3: And you make a good point, too, about the tax deductibility of mortgage. You know, mortgages are still tax deductible up to, what, 750000 on your primary home? Yeah. So you, you can take a mortgage out if you're in, take a 4% loan um, at for a 30-year note and you're in the 25% tax bracket, then your hurdle rate's only 3%. Yeah. So you only have to get 3% to outperform the, the interest that you're paying in your mortgage after taxes. Yep. I mean, that's pretty uh Well, and like you said deal.
2: earlier, nobody places a value on the liquidity. There is a huge value oh. if you are a retiree. <laughs> Absolutely. It's opportunity cost, yeah, but and it's going to be different for all of us. You can't apply some you know, value across the board, but right. I would say that is a missing piece that too many people overlook and say, to what extent is that liquidity valuable to me? I, I need access to that money to live now, and I've got it all tied up in my house. And as you said earlier, Casey, you can't spend – your house right so you you need access to it and what better time when you've got some time to shop around and, and look at the different places and options you have than being forced into that at some point down the road all because, you, you know, that's right. where you've gotten to. When it's not
3: an KC. opportune time to do it. Right, right.
0: and Casey, uh, you know, I, Jarrett was mentioning how, you know, a lot of folks save to their 401K. Guess what? At the end of the game, you don't have an option as to whether or not you're going to take the money out. The government forces you. The IRS yeah, exactly. forces you to take that money. So you will be taxed on it at some point in the future. Uh, it's not... It's not if, it's when. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, anything you can do to try to to reduce that a little bit is probably a benefit. Uh, When we come back, we might finish up this topic and uh, talk a little more about the financial situations of others. Uh, Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. In the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks.
1: He said there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on face. I got bills to pay, I got a mouth to feed. There ain't nothing in
0: this world for free. We're back. Listening to Money Talks, I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Casey Smith, and we've been talking at length about uh, whether or not to to uh, get rid of your mortgage before you retire or in retirement. And uh, Jarrett, I, I want to go back to that just for a second and talk about uh, briefly. Uh, Jerome and Melinda's advisor had told them that maybe what they wanted to do was refinance, so they still have a mortgage, it's just not as big maybe as the one that they had. Sure. That sounds to me like a compromise between, you know, what they wanted to do, which is get rid of the mortgage,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: what we might tell them to do. But mm-hmm. I, I wanted you to expand on that. Now, is that what you're saying, just leave the mortgage as it is, or maybe it is a good idea? Well, I think you, you do
2: farm. refinance. the. You, they call it a cash-out refinance, where most banks will let you take up to 80% loan to value. So let's say you have a $500,000 home. You could presumably take up to four hundred thousand dollars out, even if you had let's say you had fifty thousand dollars left on your mortgage because you're coming up to retirement, you're you're trying to get that paid off, and now we're saying, Okay, well, instead of paying off the fifty, why don't you go back refinance, do the cash out refinance and get a mortgage on four hundred and effectively because you still owe fifty, they give you three hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of your home to which you could then go set aside as Casey was saying earlier Ladder out for ten years so that you know that mortgage payment is getting covered each month, and then put the remainder into growth investments to help you grow that money a lot more than what's probably. And you could speak to this better than us, Troy. But that the the growth of a business is going to be much better over time, I think, than the growth of a home.
0: Sure, and the reason is because it captures inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when when inflation occurs, it it starts at the producer level. Where right. prices go up on them, they then pass it on to the consumer. Before you know it, it's in their revenues. Yep. And and we all know price to sales seems to stay steady. But if sales are growing, revenues are growing, uh, you also see the price of that business in the in the stock market grow. And mm-hmm. if they pay a dividend, it actually gets compounded. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that sure. 10.5% actually makes sense over long periods of time mm-hmm. for for a large business to grow. So...
2: Well, and look, don't don't hear me say you need to take equity out of your home and go put money in the stock market when it's at an all-time high. While that's that's part of what we're doing here, that is not necessarily the, the idea behind this because what, what we're trying to do is, number one, give you a benefit of reducing your tax liability. So, right. you know, you, you are going to get the interest deduction on the mortgage potentially. You're going to not have to take as much from retirement accounts in which you're paying ordinary income tax on, like we were saying earlier, uh, there's a lot of side benefits here that you will get in addition to allowing your tax-deferred money to continue growing tax-deferred. Like you've, you've, I mean, that was the reason you put the money in that type of an account in the first place. Sure, right? yeah, and
3: don't hear us to say mm-hmm. either, I mean, because there is a psychological component to this, and a lot of people would view this as, you know, you take the money out of your house, you put it in an account, you can all of a sudden see the value of it where you can't it's harder to conceptualize the value in your home, whereas you put it in a bank account or an in investment account where you've got stocks and bonds and cash, and you say, oh, mm-hmm. I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. I can go spend, it. but hey, that's not, not about that. that. It's more yeah. about using this money to help offset what you would otherwise have to draw from retirement assets, potentially, or even other taxable assets, but just adding to your your wealth, to, so to speak, but not not changing your lifestyle, but using this money to help offset the withdrawals from...
2: Yeah. Well, from from the behavioral component of this, think about it like this. All your life you're working to try and pay the mortgage off, right? You need that paycheck to come in so you can pay down your mortgage. If you do this and you are having a hard time sleeping or getting peace of mind because you've got this mortgage back and you worked all your life to pay it off you got the money in the bank now, go right. take it out and pay it back off. But I don't yeah. think you're going to, once you see the benefit flow through to your tax return and the additional liquidity that you have, again, if if I'm not planning to sell the stock, or the home for that matter, if we do come into a downturn in the market, whether it be in the housing or the stock market, I don't care necessarily, that those values have fallen because the dividend yields, if you're investing like we invest, are going to be safe and well covered, so that income is going to continue coming in, and that interest that you're paying on the money you borrowed is going to be easily offset by those dividends, and so as long as you're not being forced to sell the stock or the home when markets are down, this should not be something that presents a lot of risk. I mean there yeah. is risk associated with well, it, sure, and, and
0: let's let's make sure that you remember what what we were talking about. You you want to make sure that maybe you put in fixed income investments have to. that laddered uh, amount that will be the payment yeah. for the mortgage that you have just done. You you've got it in safe investments and you know, just make sure that you uh, you you buy high quality yep. uh, bonds and FDIC
2: and, insured. Keep them under the uh, limits.
0: Yeah, if they're CDs, exactly. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you know, municipal bonds uh, that that uh, very seldom go bust. Uh, yeah. You know, and, at certain uh, rating levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just high quality investments that are going to mature at a time that gives you. Uh, basically, cash flow matching so that you can pay off the mortgage as you go. Sure. Yeah. It's just that you have it in a in in a an account now. And mm-hmm. anything that's in excess of the payments, which there will be some, generally, right, um, you can go out and invest and grow your wealth. And when
2: people worry about the logistics of it. Like, I, I don't want to have to, I don't want to owe the bank any more money and have to deal with the payment and all this stuff. And when we show them that, hey, this this truly is as easy as if I ladder out those fixed income instruments you were just talking about, Troy say six months apart, so every six months I've got money coming due that provides liquidity for the next six months of payments and then set up a recurrence on your account to pay the bank each month. Nobody, the advisor, the client or anyone else for that matter is having to do anything because yeah, it's this can all This automated. can be
3: automated pretty easily and uh, right. I mean, so that that part of it shouldn't really you know be a, a consideration. Yeah. It is opinion. part of that behavioral battle you it were is. talking it about. Is. And that that's part of it and, and you know and if you're not comfortable with this, then don't do it. You know, but at the, that's
0: true. You got to be able to sleep at night. Sure. I you mean, know.
3: the bottom line is that we want you to be comfortable with what we're doing, and we think we've got some sound judgment and reasoning behind why we would want to do it that we can explain to you. But
2: but there is also going to be people, and you you guys out there may be one of them. If you you need to, if not if you don't know whether you are, you need to probably work with a financial planner to help you figure this out. But some people have to consider this potentially because of what the longevity of their money shows. You know, if you at, let's say, age 65, 70 run a financial plan and it looks like you have a good chance of running out of money before the end of your life, well then why would you not consider something like this early on when it's optimal time or an opportune time to do so, right? I mean, some people are looking at this and they're they're confronted with this situation when they still, you don't want to be confronted with it when you know you're going to run out. You want to do it when if there's even a slight chance and you need to do this, now is the time to consider it. You and have if the you're flexibility
3: just, to shop for rates. Yes, hundred percent. It's not a situation where the value of your home has declined or rates have gone way up. And mm-hmm. you're
0: probably yeah. going to do better than you would with a reverse mortgage.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, by by just refinancing and oh, staying in the home, you have an asset. Time. You have an asset that uh, you know would go to your heirs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so you know, there's a lot of positives here.
2: Yeah, because look, if you if all you have besides after tax money, or excuse me. If you don't have any after-tax money and all you have is the tax-deferred assets, every time you need a dollar, you probably got to pull dollar twenty-five, dollar thirty, yeah, or more. You got to
0: cover the tax, right?
2: And that's why you run out quicker. That's why you need to have diversity in the, the type of accounts you have, just like you do your investments. And this helps you to do that, and could really give you a, a lot longer period of. Uh, you know, having that money last.
0: Right, and uh, one last thing. I know, um, you know, you guys were talking about not knowing the value of the the liquidity in your assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you from experience, Casey and I do quite a bit of work for uh, individuals who are looking to exit their business. Uh, sure. So, you know, right now, there's a lot of baby boomers that are, that are looking to retire. They own their business. Uh, they need a buyer. They might be passing it on to the next generation. When you do a business valuation, you can go out in the market and see how the difference in price of a stock that's not listed on the market and that very same stock, once it does get listed, guess what? The price of illiquidity comes out most of the time in the mid-20 percentile range. So you might be looking at assets, the, those that are liquid versus those that are not. Yeah. 25% yeah. differential? That's I mean huge. That's, that's, that's a is, big deal. It is big. All right, guys. Well, I don't know that we have time, again, for any more of uh of uh, our questions and i hate we didn't get to it but uh you know for next week if you want to get in touch with us you can always call 770-429-9166 if you have questions about this uh kc and Jarrett would always love to hear from you and uh and help you out but uh in the meantime enjoy fall and yep. uh we'll be back next week guys what do you think Market up or down this week
2: after the cut i think it's got to be up Yeah, Yeah. market's
3: up.
0: Yeah, there we go. Three ups. You know me. I'm always a broken record. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be back next week.
4: All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.